everyone, welcome to Cancer Casually. I'm your host, Lindsay DeLong, and I'm the managing editor of The Fullest. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33 when my boyfriend found a lump and made me go get it checked out. A year and a half later, I'm now cured, healthy, and can kinda talk about it all without crying. Each week, I interview inspiring survivors who have come out on the other side of cancer or who are still battling it. We'll talk about our lives before, during, and after cancer and share what we've learned so that our listeners can look at their own lives through a new perspective, whatever that may be. Here's not just how to live with cancer, but how to be there for someone and how to cope as a co-survivor, because it's not just a disease that affects you, it affects everyone around you. With this podcast, we hope to inspire others to grasp life, no matter what comes at you, and always live it to the fullest. Hi, thanks for listening. Today, I am here with Cara Ladd, who is the founder of the lifestyle brand Boundless. After being diagnosed with synovial sarcoma in late 2016, she began a transformative journey on both a spiritual and mental level. She was motivated to leave her cushy editorial position at Hearst to take on freelance writing, consulting, and building her own personal brand. She's of the firm belief that sometimes you have to get knocked down in order to be lifted higher. Hi, Cara. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is amazing. It's great to be in New York. We're doing a couple interviews out here and you're our first one. I know all my friends, my cancer community. I love it. Yeah, we were just talking about how it's so crazy that so many of the of New York cancer survivors all know each other. Yeah, I feel like we all have a bond. We all find each other via Instagram, I feel like, or just being at the same events. And like we were talking about earlier, the events that kind of have the same mission and aesthetic, you kind of find your own community. And yeah, yeah, it's been really incredible to connect with. those women. And such like, so helpful, probably when you're going through it to have people to mentor you. Totally. I mean, I really didn't start getting into the cancer community until after my treatment. I had one cancer mentor who I spoke of earlier, Laura Wagstaff, who was really just a foundation throughout my entire treatment. I really leaned on her heavily. Um, And then I started to kind of bolster my presence within, I guess, the cancer community and be not only a voice, but a friend and almost like a family member to some of these girls. Yeah. So how'd you meet Laura? So it was the first day of my chemotherapy session and my nurse, Sarah, she's so lovely. She actually had the same birthday. She has the same birthday as, um, as me, which is just like so aligned and like so angelic, I swear. But she just saw something in me and she was like, you know, I think I have a survivor that you would really mesh with, that you would really connect with. And it was Laura. And so I reached out to her the day of, I emailed her, we had a phone call and we just really clicked. And she, I swear, she texted me almost every single day we talked and she just gave me, you know, not only tips and tricks, but just inspiring quotes and motivation. I mean, it's, it's so important to have that mentor and that soundboard when you're going through something that's so rare. And like, I only have Googled my cancer 
three times once during yeah <laughs> once during my treatment and that was it and twice afterwards because I was like writing things and I needed to learn a little bit more about it but I never really googled my cancer so having someone that went through that and went through the same exact treatment I mean she had the same doctor that I did the same oncologist and the same surgeon that I did so really to have someone guide me through that and who understands mm-hmm. I think is so important yeah um and I was so grateful to have that yeah um so it was very serendipitous that I actually met Laura and she works at the Nomad Hotel and she which was one of my favorite and it still is one of my favorite hotels my boyfriend and I would do staycations there and I love seeing the magician there so it was very much aligned we're very similar yeah how how many years or how many months has she had the cancer before you. So she just was three years clean. Oh, okay. And I, I just hit my one year on July 19th. So yeah, she's a couple, a couple yeah, years so ahead of me. Told you what to expect. Oh, yeah. I mean, so she, I remember she emailed me this like long list of not only like products and services that I should be on the lookout for, but she also really opened the door up to spirituality for me, which has been something that's so near and dear to my heart and my soul right now. I mean, I never was like spiritual or religious before I was diagnosed. And I think when I was diagnosed with synovial sarcoma, it really opened my eyes up to this whole new, like transcendental world. Um, I, you know, I do Reiki now and I do acupuncture and I'm like totally in deep in the crystal craze. (sighs) And yeah, I, she really has been, she's like propelled me forward in some ways and has really like brought out the, like me, the true me, I yeah, think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what, um, what was your treatment plan and what was it like when you first found out? Like, why'd you go to the doctor? Uh, yeah. So, well, I was first diagnosed after actually I had the tumor removed from my leg. Um, so I had like a tingling sensation on the bottom of my foot that almost felt like my foot was falling asleep. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's weird. I thought I was just like, honestly working too long. I was working in fashion consulting in a very consuming career. And I was like, maybe I should just get a standing desk or something, or maybe I'm doing the wrong workout. And I went to a physical therapist and they kind of brushed it off thinking that like, I was just over exaggerating and they didn't like really find anything. And I even got an ultrasound of my leg later thinking it was a blood clot and they again didn't find anything they went like right below my knee where my tumor was located and I found the cancer myself when I was stretching after a spin class thank god I was an avid spinner and I would go to spin all the time and I just like I couldn't do my quad stretch properly and wow it just was thing you stretch I don't stretch yeah yeah I always do well just like during class too you like put your foot on the handles and everything and I couldn't do it I was like this is so painful like what is wrong and one one day I was stretching after class and I felt a bump under my knee and I pushed on it and it was a shooting pain down (gasps) from my knee all the way down to my foot and I was like what the hell is that and then I of course had the very naive mentality and a mentality that I think a lot of us have was just like oh it's probably just a cyst like it's probably nothing like I had a physical or a physical appointment with my physical physician a few weeks later so I went a few weeks later and got it checked out and she was like you need to go get an MRI and she was the first doctor who was like you need to go get a scan of this and so I went to go get a scan and the MRI 
came back uh, 99.9% benign. Ooh. And so I went to a surgeon still because I still wanted to remove because it was annoying. I was still having this prickly sensation. How big was it? It was the size of an avocado pit. Oh, okay. And so big. Wow. Pretty big. Yeah, it was a slow growing tumor. So it's probably it was there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually had it surgically removed. And then, then after I was diagnosed um, with synovial sarcoma. Yeah, I had the surgery on December 1st and then was diagnosed on December 6th. And that was a lengthy story, not about my treatment, but I feel like I really needed to like lay the you know, paint the picture before I go into my treatment. Um, just because synovial sarcoma is so rare and I want people to know how I found it and how you really need to be an advocate for yourself because a lot of people, a lot of the doctors and people just ignored my symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I first found out, I mean, it was like so heartbreaking for me. I remember working and I was recovering. I was recovering from my first surgery and I feel like my body was just like on fire and I had a complete out of body experience like my soul was literally lifted above my body and it stayed that way until I started treatment I mean I was in such a dreamlike spoggy state I was like this has to be a nightmare like I truly felt deep down that this this was not real life like what did I do wrong like why is this happening to me I had so much going for me Mm -hmm. um like I was in my dream city I had my dream job like what was I doing wrong kind of a thing And when I first found out or when I first met with my oncologist, he told me my treatment and my mom and my dad flew out instantly. And I completely misunderstood my treatment and so did my parents. We didn't write anything down, which is probably one tip that I would give any survivor going into a cancer consultation with your oncologist. Yeah, it's so much information all at once. It goes in one ear and out the other. I mean, yeah. And we were all again in this like day's dreamlike state and really didn't know how to digest any of the information. So I highly recommend bringing someone who has their feet firmly planted on the ground and has a notebook and pen to write Mm -hmm. down everything that they're saying. Um, but we misunderstood the treatment and we thought it was just like one day every two to three weeks for like eight hours. But in reality, it was five to eight days, 24 seven. Um, yeah, I had a little like chemo bag wow. that I called my toxic boyfriend because he would, <laughs> he was so toxic and he was always keep coming back. Like, yeah. um, so we called him my toxic boyfriends. My nurses got a kick out of that, but I had, yeah, five day and eight day 24 seven chemotherapy treatments. Um, and I went through five sessions of that, both ifosfamide and dioxorubicine, which is like known as the red devil. A lot of oh, breast yeah, cancer yeah, yeah. patients mm-hmm. go through that. And then I had my tibular nerve removed. So I don't know if you saw when I was walking in, but I have an 18 inch scar actually like down the back of my leg oh, on my wow. left leg. Yeah. And it's totally my battle wound. I mean, I was first talking to my surgeon about getting my leg amputated. Like that was kind of like the best option that was on the table. And you know, that's what surgeons have to do. They have to be really transparent and like give you all of the options from like radical to, you know, the, you know, the most safe to the most risk. And so I ended up like landing right in the middle and getting my tibular nerve removed. And my doctor actually like miraculously 
saved the motor function of my foot. I wasn't supposed to have like the motor function, the push down function mm -hmm. of my left foot. Um, but I woke up from my surgery and they were able to save it, which is pretty incredible. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's an amazing story. Well then, and then after surgery, I went through 36, 35 rounds of radiation, I think. Oh, uh, on your leg? On my leg. Okay. Yeah. So that, because surgeons don't want to operate on radiated tissue just because it's more weak, it's damaged. And, um, the recovery is going to be worse, but my recovery, because I had radiation after my surgery is still very, very slow. Yeah. Like I am over a year out of my surgery and I'm just now like feeling some pulsations throughout my knee, which hopefully means that my nerve graft is being regenerated. Okay. So like still to this day, I'm going through a lot of after effects from my treatment and from my cancer yeah wow when did you finish radiation i finished radiation on july 19th okay four days after my birthday we wow. had a fuck cancer and party that was like five days yeah. ago <laughs> yeah i know this is very much aligned um yeah i had a we actually said we don't even say cancer in my house really we said cantaloupe because Aww. we didn't want to cancer is just like has such a negative and horrible connotation yeah. and just like when you said it when I, especially when I was in treatment and diagnosed I was like I never want to say this word and so my roommate and I actually had this like psychic moment where we both thought of the word cantaloupe in replacement <laughs> and I was like that is weird um, but I've lived with her for like five years she's my sister but yeah we called it uh cantaloupe we had a fuck cantaloupe party oh, last year and this it. year too. Did yeah. you eat cantaloupe? No. So what? I'm actually <laughs> fruit free. Oh. I am on. So that's a whole nother story. Yeah. I have, I embrace like a flexitarian uh, diet is okay. what I call it, which means I really listen to my body, but I'm primarily plant-based and I'm, I'm really vegan, but I don't like to say that word because I do have fish every now and then uh -huh. because I work out a ton. I'm a really hard worker and I need that energy for my body and for my brain, but I am completely sugar free. Oh, so wow. I don't have any fruit and I don't have any artificial sugar. Now, again, flexitarian lifestyle. I had like a piece of cake on my birthday. I take Thanksgiving and Christmas off oh, just good. because I need to maintain balance. And if I'm going like somewhere incredible around the world, if I'm traveling somewhere, I'll indulge a little bit there because like I got to live my life too. You know, cancer doesn't always, doesn't only feed off of sugar. You know, it feeds off of fat and stress and other things. Mm -hmm. So stress. I just have to be mindful yeah. of that. And, but yeah, I've, my diet has completely changed. So you changed your diet because of this cancer. Yeah, yeah. because okay. of this cancer. And again, like Laura was a really big inspiration for me. She went to a place called Hippocrates. Um, and it's a kind of a wellness detox center down in Florida. And they told her to be following this raw vegan diet. And since I didn't really know anyone else that had synovial sarcoma that I was close with, you know, she's been three years clean, so I might as well follow in her footsteps. And she's actually still raw vegan, a sugar, well, she has sugar every now and then, but she's a raw vegan to this day. And I was raw for like three to four months. And then I went to be vegan. And then I incorporated fish and eggs. And then this past January, I went back to being vegan. And then I just started eating fish, fish again. So like, you know, it's all about listening to your body, because your body changes, dependent on who you're surrounded by your geography, your habits, your stress levels, yeah. your job, you know, all these things. It's not 
these dietary labels are so cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. You know, you really have to formulate the routine, you know, nutritionally, physically, and in like the fitness realm that you, that is optimizes for your own body. Yeah. So do you feel healthier now after this whole cancer diagnosis? Do you actually feel like a healthier person? Yeah, Yeah. I feel like I'm healthier and happier, honestly, than ever before. I mean, I was really, I was moving at a very fast pace. I was working way too much. I was stressed so much. Like it was just consuming my body. It was crippling, honestly. Mm -hmm. I would be like so tense. And now I notice it now. I'd be clenching my entire body um, and compartmentalizing like all of these emotions and these traumas and these stresses um, from work and my personal life. And then I was almost numbing those feelings and those emotions with honestly booze and drugs. I was a young 20 year old, like living in the city, living it up. I lived in meatpacking. It was a blast. (laughs) But yeah, it had a huge impact on my body and myself. And, you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, it was a huge wake up call that I needed to be, you know, put back on the track that I was meant to be on. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm more grounded and present and mindful than ever before. And I embrace in spirituality now. And yeah, I'm just happier and more fulfilled with my job. I mean, I quit my job at Hearst Digital Media as a partnerships editor, which was a fantastic position. I mean, it was my dream job in all honesty. Mm -hmm. I was an intern years and years ago at Cosmopolitan. And I was like, I want to be an editor here. That's all I want. And then I got there and I was like, wait, I don't know if this is what I want. Like, this doesn't feel like me. Like I literally felt it in my body, like pains in my body when I was back at my desk post-treatment. And I was like, this is not supposed to be. Because it was so stressful and high paced. I mean, it wasn't even on the digital side. It was less stressful than being on the print side. But I just felt like I was in the wrong place. I was Mm -hmm. just in the wrong position. You know, I really felt a strong urge to be freelance and to be working on my own personal brand. And I really felt this calling to be a voice for the cancer community and a cancer advocate and a sustainable advocate, um, activist and all of these things, you know, I just felt like life is too short to be in a position that you don't truly love. And I know that's so easier said than done because there's financial implications to consider and everything like that. But you know, I, I'm taking a cut and I'm adapting my lifestyle to this new career path because I really do feel like, again, I'm happier and healthier than ever before. And to be able to help someone that like Laura helped you, like, have you had anyone that you've been able to help? Yeah. A handful of them. Um, one girl, she was at NYU where my hospital, my, I was like split between NYU and MSK and she was at NYU and had synovial sarcoma and I'm helping her. And honestly, Instagram, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Did but she it's find connected. you on Insta? She, my nurses recommended oh my me. Gosh, so it's like my nurses? nurses has been like such a good liaison yeah. with us. Um, but honestly, Instagram has been like such a community builder for mm-hmm. me. And it's been because I obviously tag like synovial sarcoma survivor, sarcoma survivor, and girls that want to, that have just recently been diagnosed and want to get into that community and learn a little bit by from some, from a survivor, 
um, it's an easy way to get a hold of people from across the world too. Oh, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I've definitely take on that mentorship and it's so fulfilling. I mean, it really like fills my heart up and I'm still so close with my nurses as well. I go visit with them regularly and I'm having drinks with them like next month. And awesome. They're like my family now. Yeah. It's really, it's really eye-opening, you know, how dark cancer is and how horrible the treatment can be you know the side effects physically and mentally but how much light Mm -hmm. can really come about from it like it it has introduced me to a new career path to a new community to a new perspective to a new body image like it's just it's been a catalyst for positive change in my life it really has been wow that's so inspiring so was it easy to leave with this cancer diagnosis was it easy to to make the decision I'm leaving my old life behind or did you kind of still want to like party in the meatpacking district or were you just like no I'm gonna be healthy and better no it was definitely like I was so content and I felt like I was on this like whole new path because Mm -hmm. obviously I could during treatment I wasn't really drinking I would have like I think I had probably like maybe three drinks and I have tequila because it's the lowest amount of sugar and the most natural. And, but no, I mean, I, I think for my career, my ego was definitely attached and tethered to that lifestyle, but my cancer, it's like old life, new life, Mm -hmm. you know, old eyes, new eyes. It's definitely this huge contrast. And, you know, I see it, my friends see it, my family see it. So, but it feels so right. So I didn't actually, I wasn't hard to leave that life behind. You know, I had my time partying. I went to University of Colorado at Boulder and (laughs) I, I definitely lived it up. I was in New York every single summer and I wouldn't change any of that for the world because it's really brought me to where I am today. But I just feel like I am so content And like, so happy to be in the place that I am now. And I'm so fulfilled. Like, it's just the time in my life, like I'm launching this new business, I'm in this new career path. And I feel like I almost don't have time to be hungover. Like, it just like doesn't really fit my lifestyle now. But I just feel so freaking good that I don't even want to go back to that. Of course, like girls got to live. I have a tequila every once in a while. (laughs) But no, I really feel like, so aligned and that I'm just like really on the right path, which is just like amazing. You know, I've never listened to my gut before my cancer. And I think that's so important. And one of the biggest lessons, you know, I mean, that's why I found my cancer in the first place. I listened to my gut that something was wrong. And I think that was the first instance that I actually did that. But now I'm like, I always like check in with my gut every single day about like, you know, my responsibilities, my path, the clients that I want to pursue, everything like that. Cause I think it's so important yeah. to look within. What about food wise? Was it hard to change your eating habits? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was, so I've always been relatively healthy, okay. but I also was like a young editor consultant yeah. living in New York city. Like I, th- it's expensive here. It's crazy. And so, yeah, I would try to get organic every once in a while, but sure. I indulged in the cheaper things and a lot of carbs and, you know, not our non-organic eggs and foods because they were cheaper. Yeah. Um, New York pizza. 
Yeah. Oh, and pizza too. <laughs> I lived above artichoke pizza, which was so dangerous. The men always gave me a full pizza. And I'm like, guys, oh. I'm like 10 pounds heavier. You gotta stop. <laughs> but giving up the food was definitely hard. But I took the time during my treatment which I don't think I would recommend to everyone. This is very dependent on your doctor's recommendations, your diagnosis and your stage and your type of cancer. Um, But I really indulged when I was on treatment. So I didn't start my nutritional change in this new nutritional path until after my cancer uh, or after my cancer treatment. Yeah. And so I was getting whatever I wanted. I was seamlessing up a storm. I was postmating up a storm. You know, I, if I wanted waffles or like chicken fried steak or whatever, I would have it. Mm-hmm. But again, like people in different situations need to be mindful of, you know, their own diagnosis yeah. and their own path. Yeah, but that I, just seemed very right for me. Yeah. And so I was so ready to make that leap to like a healthier lifestyle because I was like indulging so much. And my weight was honestly so up and down. It was such a roller coaster for me um, that I actually didn't even like I didn't put on that much weight just mm-hmm. because when I was on treatment, my weight would drop like yeah. 10 pounds. Um, but yeah, I was just like so ready to cleanse and detox my body but going through the no fruit stage, I would say the first three months were so hard. And then I'm totally used to it now. My one year anniversary for my fruit detox was May of 2018. So I have one more year to go. And then I'll start gradually incorporating it into my diet in small portions. Oh, okay. So what, where'd you get those numbers? Like why, why do you want to be off fruit completely for two years first? So- So Hippocrates has been like a guiding, um, yeah, a guiding inspiration for me. And then also I work with a nutritionist. I work with Kelly Levick, who actually encouraged me to have fish, uh, which is, was such the right path. Yeah. Um, but she's, yeah, she's a soundboard for me. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And then, so what are the stats with your cancer? Like how many people, young people, like how old are you? Uh, I just turned 26. 26. So what is, how are young people getting it? I mean, how many young people are getting it? So it's one in a million. Whoa. It's very rare. Um, And it's even more rare in women, I think. Again, I really haven't Googled my cancer Mm -hmm. that much. And so I don't know a ton about it. And I think that's good for me. Yeah. Um, the internet my, is so scary when yeah, you look at it's it. It's like you have a scrape on your arm and you're like, oh my God, yeah. I'm dying. <laughs> I have this deadly disease. Um, I think it's more rare in women, but it's, it's more prevalent in, in young, in young people, um, in young adults and, you know, even children. So I think that might have something to say about like maybe the baby boomers and like growing up in this industrialization, but that is totally a generalization. Um, but it's, yeah, it's rare. One in a million. Wow. That's crazy. And that's crazy that you found Laura in New York city. Right. And then we awesome. had so many parallels in our yes. life. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you work at the nomad. We had the same facialist, like all these, all of these things. She's really my soul sister. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so grateful for her and my entire support system. I mean, I really, I truly would not be here if it wasn't for my support system, yeah. my family, my friends. I mean, I really had an army behind me. And, you know, I want to be that army for the people that 
don't have that mm-hmm. because I can't even imagine going through cancer treatment without oh, that support system. I know. Oh man, I see the people on Facebook that are like alone and doing chemo and I just like, oh. That's why technology is so incredible though. I mean, it really does connect people from all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said your family lives in Colorado and you guys are all getting a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to get the, like, oh gosh, I don't actually know the mudra name, but it's like the AOK sign. And it's a hand mudra that we just started to do whenever we were tense and anxiety filled and just, we had a lot going on and we are super stressed. And it actually came about when I was neutropenic in the hospital and I was with my dad and, you know, I was sitting there in this hospital bed with these fluorescent lights and bald head and sick as can be. And I was like, I kind of feel like a Buddha right now, like in this (laughs) moment, like I'm just like so calm and patient in this like tumultuous atmosphere was very odd to me and very bizarre. And my dad was like, you kind of look like a Buddha. And so (laughs) we took this epic picture of me sitting in the hospital bed, you know, cross-legged and put my hands on my, on my knees in the classic meditation position. And that was like a really special bonding moment for my dad and I, because moving forward, we would always do that hand gesture and then it started to trickle throughout my entire family. And so whenever like things would change abruptly because you have to be so in the moment and present and really like mindful of each and every day when you're on treatment, because it could change like in a snap of the fingers, you know? Yeah. And so I just remember like I was supposed to do six sessions of chemotherapy and then my doctor changed it to five, like at the drop of a hat, which is nuts. But yeah, this gesture, this hand gesture has just really symbolized that patience and that growth and that knowledge um, that we have all developed and that like sense of presence and mindfulness that we all embrace now. And so, yeah, we're getting a tattoo. I'm so excited. I'm still deciding where I want it. I kind of want it on the side of my boob, but I don't know. (laughs) You know, it's like so sexy and chic, but then I'm like, well, that, what would that look like when I'm like 60? The whole family's going to do it or just you and your dad? My whole family, a handful of my friends are going to do it too. Yeah. A little teeny tiny one. I mean, it's going to be like the size of a quarter. So it's not going to be like anything extreme. Oh, well, that's amazing. You're so inspiring to talk to. So I'm glad we got to talk. That was crazy. You've had all this and so like a year ago. Yeah, it's still so fresh. But Mm -hmm. at times it's it's really crazy because you know, sometimes I forget that I have cancer. It's very easy to like fall back into your old ways. Like I'm such a hustler. And so like, it's so easy to be moving so fast again. But the fact that I'm conscious and mindful about bringing my being back to the present moment and like being very conscious of my stress and having more balance and just creating more white space in general is is so important but yeah it's it's so it's so crazy it's so new still I just had my one year but you know cheers to having many more because cheers to having many more I got a lot of life to live yes well thank you so much for coming on it was great to meet you thank you so much for having me I can't wait to catch up in LA it's gonna be so great yeah next month yes okay Uh, 